Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today, her acoustic versions of Sondheim songs have taken the world by storm, and she has really become one of my favorite, favorite singers on the planet. The way she crafts a song in her unique, singular, talented way is breathtaking, and now I get to share Ellery Ward with you today on the podcast. Welcome, Ellery. A-okay. Hey everyone, my guest today is Ellery Ward. Ellery is a musical theater performer who this year has dropped the most gorgeous album called A Perfect Little Death, which is an acoustic guitar-based collection of Sondheim songs. The project seems to have been born out of her posting TikTok videos, and that has somehow grown into what has become a full-fledged globally beloved album that was released by Ghostlight Records. Some of the songs on the record are Being Alive, Send in the Clowns, Loving You Sunday, and Every Day, A Little Death. Here's what's amazing. This has been a Sondheim year for so many reasons. During the pandemic, there were extraordinary celebrations in his honor. And then suddenly Broadway came back and Company opened and Assassins opened. And there's all this Sondheim in the ether, right, in the world, and this universal coming together to celebrate him, and then we lost him. And while this is all going on, you in your new, unique, singular, beautiful way have found a, a way to perform these songs that hasn't been done before. And Sondheim lovers and music lovers have fallen deeply in love with you and this record. And now we just want to know more and more and more. Um, you're having a moment. It's wild. I like, yes, I am having a moment. And it's, it's, it's honestly the most crazy because I have, I have been pounding the pavement and grinding so hard auditioning and trying to do the thing (laughs) for years. And it's actually so gratifying that the recognition that I'm finally receiving for the work that I do is coming from something that I, is my own. It's, it's not, it's not just someone saying, yes, I'm casting you in this production of this show. Like the fact that it's something that I've created um, that also is rooted in something that I think is universally beloved <laughs> um, is very, very special to me so you've had the experience you know there's this expression that the kids love to say um going viral 
before we get into, I mean, everyone listening by the time we're done, they might even, you know, hit pause on the podcast episode, go download the album and then come back to listen to more because we're, we're hyping up this thing that is in fact as glorious as the hype. And that is a rare (laughs) thing and very exciting. Let's go back a little bit in terms of, um, you know, when you talk about pounding the pavement as an auditioner, trying to get cast in a musical, um, I think you're from Chicago. Is that correct? Okay. I'm born and raised. Okay. So Chi-Town Ellery, um, like how does this begin? The, 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 the deep connection to the lyrics of Stephen Sondheim and, and now your own take on it. Like, can you go back to the roots of that? Yeah. Um, well, I've been doing music and theater truly my whole life. Uh, and once I started, I, there was no even thinking of not doing it. <laughs> so um, my incredible and supportive parents saw not only my passion for it, but my talent for it. And uh, I, they put me um, into an arts school that I auditioned for, for high school. Uh, Thankfully I got in because it changed my life. It was Chicago Academy for the arts. Um, Most people probably look back on their high school experiences and are like, Oh my God, high school sucks. (laughs) I'm like, wow, my, my high school was such an enriching place. And I, am still very close with a lot of my, um, teachers and, and the school in general. Uh, and my musical theater teachers there were very, very much rooted in the Sondheim canon. And we always studied Sondheim shows and like scene study. And, uh, we kind of put on a Sondheim show every year amidst all like the whole season of shows that we did. Yeah. Um, so while I had heard many of the songs and sometimes music prior to going to uh, Chicago Academy for the arts, um, because I'm a human being <laughs> on the planet listening to music. Uh, but it wasn't until then that I really got enveloped by his work. And I think it really was my junior year of high school. We did company, which, uh, you know, that's special, (laughs) but, um, I, I just remember it, it was like my most favorite thing that I had ever done ever up until that point. And I remember learning the opening number And learning the opening number when you like don't know the song at all is like, it's a brain scratcher. I was just like, it was challenging me in a way that musical theater had never challenged me before. And it it felt like I could dig my teeth into something and like still not fully reach the the boundaries of it, which was just thrilling. Um, And ever since then, it's just been a like ever growing love of Sondheim, especially because his work is so timeless, given the fact that the things that I thought I understood or did understand in a certain way when I was younger, I've had so many iterations of understanding since then Right. And will continue to 
have that go on for the rest of my life. You, you understand these songs in different ways and feel these songs in different ways throughout different times in your life. And I think that's just like, it's an infinite. When you were in high school, outside of being in company, which is like, what a progressive high school and, and in some ways how funny and in some ways, God, I hope there's a video of this production somewhere. I would love to see it. Uh, is there, is there a video? I could ask my teacher. I, I probably should ask because I, I, I think they they always did some sort of archival video for all of our shows. And you know, some parent did. Like even if yeah. even if you know, but it isn't professionally done by the um, AV uh, yeah. person at your school. What what other music were you listening to? What songs come on? Or, or are on your, you know, playlist and you're like, oh my God, this is 11th grade me. Like what other music did you love at that time? Okay. So when I was in high school, my tastes were a wee bit uh, different than they are now. Of course. Of course. I'm just and, curious. Yeah. Um, so my favorite, favorite band in high school was this band called Jukebox the Ghost. Um, the, the, main guy in the band. His name is Ben Thornwell. He's an exquisite pianist, um, amazing instrumentalist and like musician. And he, he also did like most of the singing um, in this like three person band. And they make like poppy, like pop rock music. I don't know why I liked it so much, but I really like this band overtook every, I'm an obsessive listener. Okay. Um, and uh, back then it was like, all I listened to was jukebox. Okay. That's fair. And, and it also did make sense though, because at that time I was still only playing piano. I've played piano since I was five years old. So I, and I hadn't even thought of playing another instrument. And so to, and I've written music my whole life too. Okay. So, to have this very like piano based pop rock band uh, writing music that was kind of similar to what I wrote when I was in high school. I was just sort of obsessed with it. And it really like it's it it was a whole phase. <laughs> All right. Well, I cannot wait to listen to them. So you're in high school and you do company and that opens up this um, world and you dive into it. And then you go to the Boston conservatory or but where yeah. do you go to for college? I, I went to Berkeley college of music first okay. for a and year as, as a pianist. Is that what you auditioned with? No, I, I auditioned as a vocalist. Okay. Um, so I was a vocal principal and I went to study songwriting All right. Uh, because I, I had been writing music my whole life, but I had never really given that the spotlight before and having gone to an intensive art school for musical theater, I wanted to, there was, there was something in me that didn't want to do musical theater in college uh, when I was a senior in high school. Um, but then uh, while going to Berkeley, like a couple months in, I got involved in their musical theater uh, scene there. And it was my favorite part of my week. And I, did a little check-in with myself and I was like, well, my favorite part of my week at music school is musical theater. Hmm. Let's maybe think about that. And like, <laughs> you know, and then 
like two weeks later, I applied to transfer uh, to the Boston Conservatory. And it was the only school I applied to to transfer because I wanted to stay in Boston. I knew I wanted to go to school in Boston in the first place. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to leave the city that I was very much in love with. And thankfully, I got into BOCO and it ended up working just divinely because my best friends are the classmates that would have been a year below me, you know, like it it just really all worked out. And I also was able to study songwriting as an emphasis my junior year and senior year. And it was the perfect ratio of taking the time out of my week to hone my songwriting craft while the majority of my time was acting, singing, dancing. So when you are learning sort of the craft from very experienced people around songwriting, even though you've done it and had an organic, natural talent. Was there a part of you at one point that thought, okay, I love being in musical theaters, but when I'm a grown up and I'm out there, I want to be a solo artist performing my own thing. Like, did you have these two tracks in your mind for your future? Literally, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think that was always my internal struggle is I have these two things going on that could take on two very different lives. And I also had this kind of self-limiting belief that I had to be one clear thing. In She's order to, Elaine. Right. I, I need to be one clear thing. And even then I need to be even more specific so that I'm super marketable and super palatable and people know what to do with me. Um, and I think I, I was telling myself this narrative because I had never felt like that was something that was true for me. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I didn't quite fit the, the pre-existing mold per se. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, if, if that's not working out, if, if being all these different things isn't getting me the things that I want to do, like, I need to just do that. Um, and then it's been a slow but steady and wonderful um, unlearning of that narrative. And um, I'm just more and more realizing how inhumane that is. Because as human beings, we are so layered and complex and multifaceted. And it, to be just one thing is, is denying yourself of your humanity and the things that make you you and special and unique. And as an artist, human, <laughs> like we express all of those different things in multiple different ways. And I just, I'm sort of obsessed with that idea. And I'm maybe I'm overcompensating for years of believing the opposite, but it's been very liberating to feel like I can do any of the things that I love to do and, and express myself in multitudes of ways. That's why it's being received in the way that it is because it's so pure like it's so there's nothing gimmicky about it there's no like I'm gonna have my own spin on Sondheim right like there's like you just had your own idea about how to make these songs meaningful for you 
Right. And in a way that I, I also just did not think about. And I, well, how did it actually happen? Cause the way that this came about is, is so silly. Um, I was in the middle of audition season in 2019, which uh, if you haven't been in, in the, the height of audition season, winter in New York, it is, it is uh, something else. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, and you know, I would see my friends at, at auditions and whatever. And, uh, one day one of my friends was like, Oh my God, Hey Ellery, like, how's it going? And I was like, Oh, you know, every day, a little death. <laughs> Cause that's like, it was just like, I'm there. That was, that is the turn of phrase that was perfect for how I felt. Right. Um, and so then I, it was just sort of this like little joke that I, when people would ask me how I was doing, like that, that was my response. And therefore the song itself sort of just like seeped into my subconscious. Um, and I had it stuck in my head. And when I have something stuck in my head, I either listen to it obsessively or I do a cover of it. And so I decided to do a cover of it. And uh, I, was beginning to learn guitar at that point, um, teaching myself. And uh, Wait, you've only been playing basically since 2019. No, since guitar? like fall of 2016. Okay. But later, later in life. Yeah. I, but I, I was, I've never taken a lesson, so I really okay. don't know. What I'm doing. Um, <laughs> uh, and at that point, I also didn't know bar chords at all. I just like, I had just begun to start to finger pick. That was like, like every know, day, a day, little, little day, <laughs> uh, for real. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if you notice my arrangement of that song is, is quite, um, simple because <laughs> I didn't know anything else. <laughs> Um, and I had posted it to my Instagram and at that point, like my Instagram is just like my friends, you know, um, I had like no followers, uh, and one of my friends, well, my friends were really, they loved it. They like really oh, dug this cover. Yeah. Um, and one of my friends commented saying, you should make this a series. And immediately upon reading that, I was like, challenge accepted I understand <laughs> like, the assignment yeah yeah and so literally the next day um I I made this like multi like screen uh video of Joanna reprise and that's 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 when I came up with that arrangement on March 2nd of 2019 um and, and are you filming yourself and all like are you just yeah. putting your iPhone against a book and sort of? Yeah, I have this app called, called Acapella. Like you just put your headphones in it and like, that's how I recorded this video. Um, and I just posted it to YouTube and like Instagram and that was it. And, uh, but it just sort of sparked this like wave of inspiration of, oh, I have so many ideas now. Like there, this could be something that I continue to do for my own enjoyment. Um and over the course of the next two years, it was, it was just this sort of like sporadic, whenever I feel in the mood, I'm going to make one of these arrangements and post them on YouTube. Um, and like nothing came of it. It was just my thing that I did for myself. Um, and then 
just about a year ago, I joined TikTok. My friend like really persuaded me to join TikTok. I, I needed the persuading. <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm new to the app, but like, I'll just backlog all of my videos that I have up until now um, on here. So I have like some content. And uh, when I posted my Joanna Reprise uh, video, people really responded to it and loved it. And it was kind of the most, the most traction anything I've ever posted has ever gotten. So I, I'm not on TikTok. My kids are on TikTok, but I understand like there's an algorithm and they have things suggested for them. So if you're new to the app and you're posting this Sondheim cover, Mm -hmm. um, how are people like, how does that happen? Why do you think so many people, when you say traction, like how many people at the time, obviously now people are going to go back and more and more, but like how many watch, how many viewings did it get? At that time it was only 42,000. But so for me, is, is that not a lot? That seems like a lot to me. It, it's not like crazy. Not how many, but now today in, I don't even January, know, but like millions, millions I mean, and millions. Collectively. Yes. Yeah. But like, I, I, at, at, I had never had anything reach that a number before. Like that's how low key my, my stuff was, was at. Right. Of um, course. So why do you think 42,000 people in a very short amount of time found this Sondheim cover? Like, how does that happen? I truly don't know. So crazy. It, I, I'm, I really don't know. But it did. But it did, and I'm grateful for it. And I'm really grateful for the multiple people who commented saying, I want to listen to this in my car every day. I want to, I want this on Spotify. I want this on Apple Music because it's those people that I listened to and was like, okay, great. I'll record it then. (laughs) So you Um, start doing more and more. And mm -hmm. then how does that become this beautiful album? a perfect little death that people can listen to all of them together in one place by an unbelievably prominent label who are pushing you because they love how special you are. Um, How does the record deal happen? This is what is wild. Okay. So (laughs) I, I, I knew I was going to record Joanna Reprise. Then more people commented on my other arrangements. I want, I want this, you know. That's so, so demanding. That's, yeah. And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> um, so I was like, all right, enough people are asking about multiple songs. Like, what if I make an album? I'm going to make an album. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I had the time <laughs> uh, and I just sort of, I, I'm, first put together the like maybe like eight arrangements that I had had at that point I knew I was going to do those um and then the remaining songs I just sort of went through the catalog and also like asked friends what they wanted to hear and I mean I mainly went with my heart like what what songs I absolutely love and have an immediate like vision for um 
even if the arrangements didn't come immediately, I, I at least knew that they would come at some point. Right. right. Um, and so I recorded all 13 songs in my walk-in closet in Boston at the time. Um, that's where I had moved during the pandemic to save money on rent. Um, and, uh, and we got a COVID deal and I had a walk-in closet. Um, and I recorded all the songs in there and did it all myself and then sent it to my friend Tom who uh, mixed and mastered them for me. Um, and I just was, it, it, I didn't think twice. I just knew that I was making this thing and I set a release date. Like I had released all of my original music independently and I just knew what I was going to do. Uh, so I released Joanna reprise as a single. And then I was like <laughs> knocking at Broadway world and playbills doors being like, Hey, I have this thing that I think is pretty cool. Like, can you write something about it or feature it in some way? Um, and no one answered my emails, but <laughs> then yes, sir, or um, madam. <laughs> yeah, right. I I made a TikTok being like, hey, Broadway world, <laughs> please. <laughs> and people tagged them and I tagged them and they got tagged enough times on this video that they like saw it and they answered and they were like, yeah, email us at this email. And so I emailed them and uh, after a little bit of back and forth, they were like, yeah, we're going to do a Q and a with you and run it on this day. So I sent in like all of my stuff about the album and everything to them. Um, and the Monday that that, that article came out, uh, a few hours after it was posted, I got an email from Kurt person yeah and I was like what like what what <laughs> and really all he said was like I I love what you're doing and just how can I help and I was like oh <laughs> I don't know but like the fact that you're even emailing me in the first place is just that feels like enough to me um but we hopped on a phone call and naturally hit it off. Kurt's the best. And, um, after a bit of back and forth, I mean, I sent him the album myself and he listened to it and he, he emailed me back and said, uh, I don't want to, uh, get in the way of your own release, but just want you to know that I really wish that Ghostlight could put this album out because it's beautiful. And I was like, well, that can change. We can make that happen. Um, and so one thing to another, like I, I signed a distribution deal with, with Ghostlight and the album came out on June 4th and like truly my life has been forever changed because of it. Tell me what that means. Oh, well, it means that when I think back about my life, literally a year ago, today's the 25th, a year ago, I was still in Boston, not where I wanted to be, not doing what I wanted to do. Um, I had just quit a retail job because it made me depressed. <laughs> um, and I, I, yeah, I was feeling low and I had kind of a disconnect to musical theater as well. I like couldn't watch musical theater videos or anything. I like 
talk about it. Um, and, I, and I was unemployed. So that is 365 days ago. That was my life. And now I have this album that people know me by. I have Ghostlight who supports me so fiercely and people who I, I just didn't know that professionally I could have as much support as I've gotten from them. Um, I now have a theatrical agent, which I never had before. I have a manager now and I have a music agent. That's not something I ever thought I would have. And I'm playing solo shows where people are coming to see me. And I have like Broadway stars who I have grown up admiring are now my peers in many ways. Um, I'm like getting emotional thinking about it because it really is just like, it's staggeringly different. It, it, my life has done a 180 from where it was all because of this thing that I just like didn't think twice about putting out and making. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, did Sondheim before he passed, was he aware of this project? Do you have any, yes, anything you can share about that? <laughs> yes, he was aware and, um, he was uh, told by multiple people <laughs> to listen to my album and was was given access to my album. So um, I believe he listened to it, uh, whether or not he enjoyed it. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't even care. I, the fact that this giant was aware that I was out here honoring his work in my own way. It's like my own little love letter to him. Um, and he knew that. That means more to me than what his opinions are on it. Because like, he's like, we have literal opposite views of how to build song. <laughs> like, the way that he looks at a song and arrangements is the complete opposite of mine. And so I'm sure that there are some things uh, about my arrangements that he probably didn't connect with on a deep level <laughs> or thought were wrong or whatever, but I actually kind of love that. Um, and all I would hope that he could take away from it is like, is knowing that his work can take on so many different lives. Like that's what's so magical about his music to me. So when you heard that he died and that death sort of corresponds very much with the release of your music into the world, can you put words to that in terms of what his passing meant to you? Yeah. Um, I remember when I found out, uh, I am, I, I've never had a, um, a death like that, like a public figure passing affect me in such a way. I, I was very upset. I, I was crying literally the whole night. Um, I could not keep it together. I could not even, I had a lot to process through. Um, and it was very strange, but also wonderful 
that people were using my album to grieve him. It felt very special that some, like I am one of the many vessels of his work that people have turned to, to experience his work. And so it felt strange because it's like, it felt like, it, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to explain that aspect of it, but also very inspiring at the same time because it just sort of was like, all right, he's not here anymore. If anything is going to invigorate me to continue doing the work that I'm doing, it's this, like, it's the people who message me and say, I never got it before. And now I listen to this, to your version of this song. And now I get it. It's like, oh, like <laughs> it's Sondheim. Like if I can be the reason someone understands and loves Sondheim for the first time, then I, I feel pretty complete. <laughs> now I know that like, you have many performances coming up um, for many months to come of this album and this music and people are coming specifically to see this. And I can't imagine it won't become like a global tour because these songs are so globally recognized. Um, even though we think of him as ours here in the US, he is the world's. Um, and your fan base is so global also now. But as as you, you know, you've done, you, you have this collection of songs, you know them, um, you don't need to rewrite them. It's been produced. You know how you're going to perform them. You've done it. Are there other things that you're working on right now? Um, as you look toward the future, you have a lot of people now interested <laughs> and invested in you. Like yeah. what else are you working on right now? Well, the thing that's like most in, in, the immediate right center. Now. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm in the middle of recording a single of an original song. I write pop music. <laughs> so it's very different. <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, but I love doing it. Uh, I love the bops. <laughs> um, so I'm in the middle of recording that and I hope to release it probably sometime in the spring. Um, and then next month I'm going to start working on my second Sondheim album. So I'm doing the things I, and I've got a lot of sounds going on in my brain. <laughs> yeah. And are those also going to be done acoustically? Is it the same vibe? Or are you playing with yes. other? Yeah. So same vibe, but with a little bit more. Okay. Like now that I have the capacity to add more. Um, Did I say orchestra? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that I have the capacity to add more to it, it's like uh, I, I was listening to a bunch of music to put together as references mm -hmm. for the album. And like, I really want it to sound intimate and yet still lush. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in how, all the instrumentation is going to come together. Um, yeah. So in the Pinterest board of your mind, when you sort of talk about like, what are some inspirations that you're like, yeah, I mean, obviously me at the center of it and my mm -hmm. aesthetic, but, mm -hmm. but who, like what's inspiring you as you kind of listen to other things? 
I'm going to pull up my reference playlist right now. Um, but the, the biggest thing, uh, has always been Sufjan Stevens. He's my, he's my biggest influence for this work that I do. Um, He is like one of the top five artists of my life. Uh, and he really was the main influence for a perfect little death. And he's also going to be a main influence for this one, but I also have, uh, a few songs by, um, Kings of Convenience on this playlist. I, their latest album came out last year. Um, and I didn't even know, which I was so mad about because I love them. And I, I don't know how I didn't know they came out with a new album. <laughs> well, you were pretty busy. You, how many, yeah. <laughs> how many songs are on this album? Um, the new one. Or current, yeah. The one um, that just came out. 13. And yeah. then this, this next one will be 14. Right. Um, uh, so we forgive you for not knowing that a new <laughs> album came out of theirs. It's okay. But yeah, definitely listen to the, the new Kings of Convenience album. It's beautiful. They are like, they really are my, my favorite, uh, guitar picking layering people (laughs) like they're they make beautiful guitar layers um and I have uh some Lucius on here their harmonies are so tight and gorgeous um a little bit of Andrew Bird he's one of my other favorites and uh always a little bit of Caroline Polachek in everything that I do because she is my everything (laughs) she's your girl does she she know Oh, she does not know. And well, she, I... will know. she will know. Before I let you go, you've been so generous. Is there a little known fact about you that you can think of to share that might surprise in a late? Yes, absolutely. Um, or scare. Little... Maybe it'll scare people. <laughs> a little known fact about me is that um, I am deeply obsessed with dinosaurs and my all-time favorite movie is Jurassic Park. Um, I watched it for the first time when I was two years old. Clearly my mom was not home and it was my dad. Um, and <laughs> ever, and when I was a child, I would watch it every single day. And so that's a little something about me. I can tell you a lot of things about dinosaurs. <laughs> Number of people who are going to reach out to you in that, you know, with that similar passion, get ready. Like you need a separate Instagram for Ellery and her dinosaurs. Um, I can't thank you enough and can't wait to see your show. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm just like absolutely honored to have talked with you and so, so happy now. I feel so full. Me too. And before I let you go so that people can continue to know how they can have the pleasure of seeing you in person, how do people find you? You can find me probably everywhere you think. Um, (laughs) Instagram, uh, TikTok, Twitter. Um, I'm Ellery Ward on all platforms and everything that you could ever possibly need to find is also on my website, elleryward.com. So, all right, well, let's go live on that website. Let's, let's overload that website with love. Thank you for this beautiful life-changing album. Thank you for all the art and until next time. Yes. Thank you so much.
One more thing. So many of you have asked, how do you donate to the podcast? Well, it could not be easier. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. Instructions are clearly laid out. And I'm so grateful to you in advance for any donation you choose to make. But regardless, I have loved, loved, loved making the previous 200 and something episodes for you. I can't wait to make 200 more. I wish you a beautiful day. Stay healthy. Be safe. Until next time. This episode of Little Known Facts was edited by Nicholas Klar. We record in New York City. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded and sung by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. Thank you.